Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Macadamian, where we explore the intersection of technology and healthcare. We've worked with many innovative companies to design and develop digital products that improve people's health. And we want to share all that we can to help people build better products. So let's get to today's episode. Hi, everyone. So today our guest is Mark Thompson. Mark is a healthcare software architect here at Macadamian. And we're going to be delving into a pretty interesting subject matter, which is seeing a bit more light of day these days, especially now that we're seeing a bit more digital transformation with things going online in the healthcare space. And that subject is cybersecurity risks. So Mark, thanks so much for being here and speaking with me. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, you know, what is at stake here for healthcare businesses when we think about cybersecurity risks? I I think a lot of people have sort of the standard uh, risks uh, top of mind, right? Privacy, HIPAA fines. This is all the stuff that jumps to mind when you're thinking about uh, cybersecurity within healthcare. But there, there's often other areas that people don't consider upfront. Um, brand, I think some companies really focus on this, but others are really trying to just check the boxes. But brand can have a really big role in cybersecurity. Uh, if you lose the trust of your customers, uh, your business is going to degrade really quickly. Uh, so that, that's a, a key component that's at stake. Might also have customer IP. Uh, a lot of med tech uh, involves you know, custom algorithms or very proprietary algorithms. Um, protecting that is fundamental. But what I'm seeing more and more um, is more focus on the integrity of the data. I think largely over the past, um, companies have had a focus on uh, confidentiality, right? That's all your privacy concerns. They want to make sure the data doesn't leak out. And availability, everyone's familiar with DDoS attacks and you want ransomware, things that take you offline. But I'm seeing more and more focus on integrity, um, where if the data was modified, uh, let's say you have uh, some sort of uh, machine that's monitoring a patient in an operating room. If that data is able to be modified between the point of uh, care and uh, later the analytics, that can present a lot of sort of patient risk um, and even change some of the clinical decision support that's going to happen downstream. So integrity is becoming more and more of an area of focus for a lot of medtech manufacturers. Yeah, those are important points. You know, you look at the integrity, the brand. It all ties into the trust as well of of the brand, like you said. Um, you know, in the cloud space, what do these threats look like? Do you have an example? I think in the cloud space, the surface area is just that much bigger, right? And you no longer have kind of just a device sitting in a room, and you can you know take care of physical security and maybe network security around it. Now you've got a very large, often distributed uh, system, sometimes hybrid, uh, on-prem, uh, and cloud. Sometimes multi-cloud. Um, and with that, you have a number of different SaaS providers. You might have different vendors in there. Uh, you've got sort of the IoT considerations. You just end up with a much larger ecosystem, which raises the surface area. And really, to protect yourself, an attacker needs to help find one, maybe two uh, different holes in that surface area. Um, but you're responsible for securing all of it. So I think, you know, as we move to the cloud space, just the the risks are the same, but the the area to protect is that much larger, uh, and the system is that much more complex. What can some leaders in the health tech space do to mitigate these risks, at least in the short term? One of the biggest opportunities I see uh, within teams is actually testing and doing drills with their um, processes, right? So um, companies will develop fairly rigorous cybersecurity plans, uh, and well, and sometimes less rigorous, but regardless of where you are, um, very rarely are those systems tested, like those processes, those people. Um, very rarely 
know, get a chance to exercise all those different procedures until it's it's go time, right? Like you actually have an attack. Uh, and so one of the, the short-term activities that I really like to recommend for people is to make sure you implement like cybersecurity fire drills uh, or instant uh, exercises where you have sort of one person and they do this in military, right? Like they, they build up different strategic exercises. They say, what if this happens? How are we going to respond? Same sort of thing. What happens if, you know, you know, some of your more sensitive keys get committed to your code repository? Or what if, you know, you realize that your um, perimeter firewall is misconfigured. You know, what happens then? Uh, how do you go about investigating, um, understanding the, the nature of the attack, uh, assessing impact, quarantining um, any affected systems, and then rebuilding or recovering from that? So uh, most people are really focused on sort of the, the NIST prevention step, which is, you know, hugely important. You, you got to take care of that. But I'd say the, the systems behind that and the stages after that uh, with detection uh, and response tend to go undervalued. And it's a really easy and kind of fun way to, you know, do a check on your systems. You can drive a lot of improvement by going through these drills. I guess the follow-up is more so, are there any protocols out there that companies can use? I mean, you brought up HIPAA earlier. Um, is there anything out there that companies can put in place that, you know, in case there is a cybersecurity attack that they can follow and use to help them get out of it? Definitely. I mean, it's going to be customized to every organization, um, your response plan. Um, definitely go look at uh, NIST's framework. Um, they lay the different stages uh, to uh, detection and response. Um, and what is the NIST framework? Yeah. Uh, so NIST has um, sort of their cybersecurity framework. I get the numbers offhand, um, but we can attach it in the notes potentially. Um, that defines how to think about um, these different stages to mitigating attacks, right? Uh, making sure that you're focused on prevention, what are all the areas here, and they have a bit of a checklist available to you uh, to address that. Uh, going into detection, how do you know you're under attack? How do you know that you have a possible uh, breach or that you have uh, some unmitigated vulnerability? Uh, and then heading that into response and recovery. Um, so they, they have their framework published there. You're going to need to customize it based on your organization. But I think no matter what, um, you know, doing these sorts of drills on what you have already will help expose where those gaps are. You might realize like, hey, if our senior engineer is on vacation, we actually can't execute our incident response plan because we don't have other capabilities within the team to be able to pull the detailed logs, for instance, or access that system. Uh, and you start to identify what those gaps are. Now, long term, like how do you avoid being a victim of the cybersecurity attacks? I talked about previously how you have this giant surface area you need to protect, whereas an attacker only needs to find a couple holes and string them together. So long term, you really need to be looking at your DevSecOps maturity, right? Um, if you don't have it already, make sure you have a cybersecurity risk assessment as part of your um, design and development process. Um, this applied to you know, existing product, but also any new product introductions, new modules. Because security really comes down to risk-based approach. Like, you're not going to be able to bottle it up to be 100% uh, airtight. Um, there will always be some risk exposure. And you need to work through your individual, um, I guess, risk profile with your organization and your solutions to customize the spend and the effort that you're going to put into mitigating those concerns. Right. Um, so you're going to end up with a, a very layered defense in depth strategy uh, based on that risk assessment, um, making sure that you know, if any single control fails, that you have other layers behind that. Um, if your perimeter firewall was misconfigured, as I suggested earlier, um, you should make sure that, you know, that was in a DMZ, for instance. So there's another um, networking layer behind that. 
And then all systems are, are protected with TLS between uh, on all hops. Um, you've got you know strong access controls with the privilege at any measure. So you can go to all these levels, but it all starts at the the risk uh, assessment, understanding like where are you actually vulnerable and what would be the impact and likelihood of those. Right, and and so these are kind of conversations that should be happening in health health tech organizations now. All health tech organizations at this point should have some sort of cybersecurity uh, initiative in place that helps them mitigate any future risks. Absolutely, and I think it's a constant. Um, it's important to have this as a constant conversation, right? Like it's not good enough to have this as part of your process, and you kind of check the box as your product's going out. It needs to be a, a conversation in the hallways. Um, People, your your organization needs to feel empowered um, to raise and flag concerns. Ask the hard questions, like, "Well, what if something happens here? Aren't we going to be exposed?" Right? You want you need that kind of collective team approach because, as a like a, as a leader within your organization, you won't be able to see all these yourself. You can do the best you can to sort of manage the shell, but to develop that um, defense in depth strategy, you need everyone involved to be on the lookout for those holes, uh, mitigating them. And then you can bring in some additional systems um, to help mitigate those as well. When you were answering that question, this thought came to mind about how there might be more gaps when it comes to these cybersecurity attacks, simply because we're all working remotely right now. And, you know, we're all on our different internet connections. And do you feel like this world of remote work that we're in might be uh, increasing our risks, especially if you're in the health tech space? Absolutely. Yeah, you've taken a distributed system and just made it more distributed, right? Uh, the people aren't as well connected. You have people working, oh, I'll just check that on my personal laptop. Um, you know, so I, I, obviously um, the pandemic has stressed a lot of IT organizations um, trying to keep up with demand, making sure like their VPNs can support the scaling they need, that all their endpoints are properly secured. Um, I think this is going to continue, right? Um, you know, work from home is going to continue to grow and expand, and more and more of the the security uh, processes and practices are going to need to be extended to that that broader uh, distributed environment. And, you know, you touched upon this question earlier, but I, I just want to bring it back. If you're, you know, if you're a small business out there, or even if you're an enterprise, uh, what can you do to protect your cloud infrastructure against cybersecurity attacks? Well, you've probably already done sort of your best to secure with your configuration uh, and your deployment models, your architecture. Uh, but one of the easiest things you can do is um, work with your cloud vendor. Um, they all offer different compliance tools um, to monitor that infrastructure and make sure that the rules you put in place stay in place, right? It's, it may not be malicious. Someone might accidentally tweak a configuration, open up a hole in your firewall um, to test something out. Um, you know, maybe that's allowed, maybe it's not within your infrastructure, but the key thing is to make sure that gets closed again and um, kind of always reverted back to that um, known good state. There's a lot of tools out there, both from cloud providers uh, as well as third-party vendors um, to analyze your, your cloud infrastructure, uh, look at your configuration and make suggestions and advise on um, security best practices. Beyond that, like, so that's low hanging. If you aren't using uh, those kinds of technologies already, definitely have a look um, and investigate. Um, in the medium term, I would make sure you involve some external expertise, right? Um, so there's, whether that's for pen testing, secure code review, or training, uh, I'd make sure that you're kind of growing with the industry, right? You're just working with your own ecosystem. You might not know what you don't know. Um, and by bringing in sort of external sources, either to 
you know, analyze your, your configuration, your code, or just provide training for your team. I, I think you'll get a more varied perspectives and you're more likely to, you know, handle that problem of this very large uh, cloud service area that you need to protect. And then obviously, you know, we'd all love to have a really rigorous DevSecOps practice uh, to support the business. That takes time. Uh, it goes back to the cybersecurity risk analysis assessment, making sure your investments, you know, make sense in the context of what you're doing uh, and the business risk and kind of everything we've already talked about. Um, I, I think that's the longer term goal is just to continue to evolve that DevSecOps practice, um, having people who are, are dedicated and focused on that, but make sure that you have the maturity within your team to identify issues uh, and you know flag them and talk about them. It sometimes it's really, it can be too difficult for uh, a team member to say, hey, you know, I found something that isn't right. Um, and we, we should probably look into it at least because they might be afraid like um, of what the implications would be. But it, it's much, you need to really foster an environment where it's okay to have those conversations and you have a process to deal with them. Uh, so the employees know what to expect uh, and the, or the business knows what to do with it, that kind of information. No, that's great. I, I, I like the fact that you bring up this point because I think it's all about creating a culture where you're thinking about mitigating cybersecurity risk. I mean, the other day I got this random email um, and it was it, it came across as an email that might have been from within the company, but you know, I, I did flag it with HR and it turned out that it was not. It was not from within the company. And so it's just little things like that, I think, that need to be discussed. Um, and just having these conversations often and with different departments within the company, I think is key. Yeah, people are often the weakest point in the security framework um, and controls. Um, and, and I think attackers know this. That, you know, that's why you, you see uh, you know, phishing um, and uh, whaling. Like these, these are key uh, attacks now. And they're part of anything, any larger attack. So if one single vulnerability is found, they might try to augment it with uh, some privilege escalation via um, access uh, scoops from phishing or something like that. Just about that, are there any specific kind of attacks we're seeing now more than other attacks? Well, we saw ransomware jump up um, a couple of years ago, and I, I, it continues to accelerate. I think health tech is slowly catching up on this. Uh, for a while, it was known that you know when you're deploying a, a system into a hospital, you always have to worry about their you know, like old version of Internet Explorer. All their systems are running like Windows 2000 uh, because they're afraid to update. I think that's shifting now uh, with the proliferation of ransomware. Uh, IT departments within healthcare providers and uh, different deployment environments are really realizing that we need to keep these systems maintained. Uh, so I'm hopeful uh, that, you know, although ransomware trends continue to go up because um, the technology and the kind of the accessibility for attackers to launch that kind of attack um, is getting easier and easier, I'm hopeful um, that a lot of uh, health tech companies are yeah, putting in appropriate mitigations uh, around ransomware, um, but I would, wouldn't be surprised if that trend continues to increase uh, and just make sure that you're not one of the ones um, affected. And talking about the future, will health tech companies become more immune to these cyber attacks or do you think um, do you think it's just going to be a constant battle in, in mitigating these cyber attacks? Security is a constant game of cat and mouse, right? Like it, it, there's Attackers might have an advantage uh, for a little while, and then um, enterprise, you know, might come back on top with as different tools are introduced. You're going to keep seeing that, and we've seen it for as long as uh, computing's been around. Um, this kind of trade-off, uh, who's on top. Um, but as I was saying, like it's it's about making sure you have as many um, have those layers established for defense in depth. 
Um, so that if there is one hole, you know, you can you can deal with that. It's controlled and mitigated by other uh, controls in your stack. Um, so are they going to become immune? No, uh, definitely not. Uh, attacks are going to keep happening. Uh, they, they will never stop it. There's too much at stake. Uh, and it's too hard to protect absolutely everything. But I think we are seeing health tech catch up. Um, you know, health tech, I, I think, has lagged in most areas of digital transformation. Um, and I think maturity within cybersecurity is improving. Mark Thompson is a healthcare software architect here in Macadamian. Mark, thank you so much for speaking with me. I appreciate it. 